opportunity to sing a song to, to our Father. When she gives us the opportunity to just worship Him, I just treasure it because it's so nice just to think about what a wonderful God He is and how much He loves me. And I just want to tell Him I love Him for His holiness and I worship Him for who He is, the good God that He is. And just like there's times that Barry and I will share intimate moments of telling each other how much we love each other and what we mean to each other. And that works so much for our relationship, our intimacy. And it is the same way with our Heavenly Father. So when, when I take the time to tell my Heavenly Father how much He means to me, it increases my intimacy with my Heavenly Father and my relationship with my Heavenly Father. So thank you, Diane, for allowing us to be intimate with our Father, with Jesus Christ. I brought the bulletin up here to remind me, to remind you to take a bulletin home with you because there's some important Fourth of July party information in there, but all the details are inside. And um, so try to remember to pick one up when you leave so that you'll know what's going on and won't be left out. And we'll all be talking about it and you'll say, I didn't know anything about this party. <laughs> and we don't want that to happen to you. All right. Well, two weeks ago, um, I spoke on Adam, the manager with authority. And I talked about how God as creator has authority over all the earth and that he established laws of nature and moral law, and therefore God has the legal power to make and enforce the law, and how he created Adam to be the manager of the earth and to govern the earth. And see, God didn't give away his ownership of the earth, but he did assign the responsibility of governing it to humanity. God made Adam the manager over the earth. So now we're gonna go back to the Garden of Eden and so complete and so final was Adam's authority over the earth that he, not just God, had the ability to give it away to another. And that is exactly what Adam did. Satan deceived Eve and Adam followed suit in disobeying the one command from God to not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And with that disobedience, Satan lawfully, we've been talking about laws, and this is why I've been talking about laws, given a history of that. With that, Satan lawfully became the rightful ruler of the world. He used the system that God set up to take dominion and authority from Adam. God, being just and true to the system that he ordained, did not take it back simply because mankind had failed. That's right. Satan is the temporary ruler of this world. So I'm going to bullet out a bunch of uh, scripture verses right now, okay? John 12:31. Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. John 14:30. Jesus said, "The ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me." 2 Corinthians 4:4. 4, 4. Satan, who is the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe the gospel. Ephesians 6.12, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. 
and against many powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. 1 John 5:19. We know that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. 1 John 5:5. 5, 5. Who could win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And then finally, Luke 4, 6 through 7. Here Satan is talking to Jesus. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. Adam failed, and God had to send another human called the last Adam to do what the first Adam was supposed to do and fix what the first Adam messed up. I don't know if you've ever heard the term second Adam before. It's talking about Jesus. So Christ came to represent God on the earth. Jesus became our mediator going between God to humanity. I have good news for you. Jesus came to get that authority back for us. Hallelujah. <laughs> have you ever wondered, have you ever wondered why Jesus came as a human to redeem mankind? It is because the world was given to Adam, man's representative, and when it passed to Satan in the garden, the only way to lawfully get it back under the system that God ordained was for mankind to get it back. It's because of what God set into place. This is why God said in Isaiah 59, 15 through 17, God said, the Lord looked and was displeased to find there was no justice. He was amazed to see that no one intervened to help the oppressed. So he himself stepped in to save them with his strong arm and his justice sustained him. He put on righteousness as his body armor and placed the helmet of salvation on his head. He clothed himself with a robe of vengeance and wrapped himself in a cloak of divine passion. God's own right arm was Jesus. He was sent to regain what was lost to the kingdom of darkness in the fall. I say hallelujah to that. From the time of Adam, sin snowballed and each generation became more and more defeated by it. This is why, this is why Jesus had to become flesh and blood so that he was subjected to the same rules that applied to us. He had to be born under Satan's kingdom in order to redeem it lawfully. This shows the amazing grace and love that God has for us to subject his only son to humanity. So Jesus regained full authority, say full. Full, full authority and dominion from Satan at Calvary. He did this by living a perfect, sinless life. Man, he had to go through everything we went through. All that humanity stuff, our flesh stuff, all the desires, all the temptations. Jesus got to go through that too, but he did it perfectly and sinlessly. All of the rules that applied to mankind applied to Jesus, and yet sin never defeated him. Satan tried to tempt him and tried to cause him to stumble, but Jesus looked toward the cross as the goal. The goal was to die in our place as the perfect, 
sin sacrifice in order to restore mankind. I mean, I think Jesus is my hero. Amen. Really. Amen. He was 100% God, but he was 100% man also. Jesus became that second Adam. He became mankind's representative before God, just as Adam had been initially. So the same law that plunged the entire world into sin was the very law that allowed Jesus to undo it. This is called the law of substitution. Romans 5, 18 through 19. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. That law of substitution. True to God's nature and character, as soon as the world was redeemed by Jesus and authority and dominion returned, he once again gave that to us, that authority. Remember, Jesus said, it is finished at the cross. The debt was paid in full. The authority was transferred. Let's look at Matthew 28, 18 through 19. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, you go and make disciples of all the nations. You baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You teach them to obey every, everything I have commanded you. See, as believers, we now have authority on earth. The kingdom of Satan has been destroyed. First John 3, 8 talks about destroying. The Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. So I have a slide that has destroy up there and a definition of it. So in the Greek, means luo. And this word destroy, it has a legal and a physical meaning. It means to pronounce that something or someone is no longer bound and also to destroy or void a contract or anything legal that binds. That's what Jesus did for us. Jesus came to dissolve the legal hold Satan had over us and to pronounce that we were no longer bound by his works. We're no longer bound by his works. He voided that contract and he broke Satan's dominion over us. So I have a question. That question is, did Christ destroy the works of the devil or do we destroy the works of the devil? Yes. yes. The answer is yes. Both. Although Jesus fully accomplished the task of breaking the authority of Satan and voiding his legal hold upon the human race, someone on earth we must represent him in that victory, and we must enforce it. So when, when did we receive God's authority? When did that happen? When God raised Christ from the dead. Ephesians 2, 6. Listen to this one. I'm going to slow down with this one. For he raised us. Does that say us? us. It does, doesn't it? For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. You can look at this verse for a long time and repeat it again and again and think and think on it and say, 
I know he raised Christ from the dead, but this says he raised us from the dead, that I am seated in the heavenly realms. So in the mind of God, we were raised when Christ was raised. When Christ sat down, we sat down too. And that's where we are now, positionally speaking. We're talking about how God, Jesus, gave us our authority back. This is how this happened. This is how it works. God sees us, positionally speaking, at the right hand of him. The right hand of the Father. That's where we are, positionally speaking. Remember, Christ is the head, and we are the church, right? We are his body. And Jesus works through his church. Remember this cartoon I put up there? Can your head exercise authority without the body present? And the body can't exercise authority without the head present. We are, we are one with Christ. We are seated at the right hand of the Father with Christ. Well, who are members of his church? I mean, that's what this is saying. Those who are members of the church, those are believers, right? It's not members of a Catholic church, a Methodist church, uh, any kind of a church. That's not what members of the church means. This church is the capital C, and it's talking about believers in Jesus Christ. Listen to how Mark declares our authority in Jesus. Mark 16, 16 through 18. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name, and they will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. This is all talking, this verse is talking about our authority. It's kind of given examples of how we can use that authority. We receive God's authority at Calvary. And this says any believer, not any pastor, not an evangelist, any believer has that authority to cast out devils. That means that in Jesus' name, you and I can exercise authority over the devil. Why? Because God has delegated his authority over the devil to the church. This should give us like that strength of walking around like, the devil's not bigger than me, stronger than me. I don't have to be afraid of what is he going to do now. No way. I'm seated at the right hand of the Father. I have the same authority that Jesus has because he gave it to me. Man, doesn't that give you a new point of view in life? It does me. Colossians 1.13, For he has rescued us, God has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. The Father has delivered us from the power of darkness or the power of authority. Another way that verse could read is, the Father delivered us from the authority of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. God has already delivered us from the authority of darkness, and therefore we've got a right to speak to that darkness. We have a right to speak to Satan into his kingdom. Believers, we have authority over the devil. We can break the power of the devil if he raises his head anywhere in your life or in my life and also over your immediate family or loved ones. So what about that verse in James 4, 7, though? I don't have it up there, so don't look for it. 
that verse doesn't say to speak to the devil or it doesn't say to take authority over the devil. This is what James 4, 7 says. It says to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Well, our authority does not subtract from this verse. It supports this verse. Well, okay, suppose I'm trying to avoid sugar in my diet. So I could resist sugar, eating sugar, by not baking cookies at home anymore, not going down the cookie aisle at the grocery store, right? These are ways I'm resisting sugar. But what if I'm invited to somebody's house? Sue Wing makes some pretty good desserts. So let's say I'm invited to Sue Wing's house or to a graduation party, and she puts a dessert in front of me. And if I'm serious about avoiding sugar, I'm going to have to say no, correct? What about a recovering alcoholic? They can't go into a bar anymore. They shouldn't go into a bar anymore. And they don't shop in liquor stores. So they are resisting alcohol, the temptation of it. I'm comparing this to resisting the devil. But what if that recovering alcoholic has a drink placed into his hand? He's going to have to say no then, right? Emphatically no. He's going to have to, no, I don't do this anymore. We are to submit to God. We're to resist the devil. Don't entertain the sin that he represents. But when we are faced with temptation or whatever the devil places before us, we have the authority to say no, and he's going to flee because of Jesus Christ. Right. Ephesians 1:22, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body and is made complete and full by Christ, who fill all things everywhere with himself. God's love for us is so immense. He had everything planned out even before creation. Even as God announced Adam and Eve's punishment, he promised them Jesus. He said, then the Lord said, this is in Genesis 3.15, the Lord said to the serpent, I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. Jesus will strike your head and you will strike his heel. In other words, God told them the redemption plan is already in place. Jesus was chosen before sin even entered into the picture to crush the head of Satan. I think maybe Adam and Eve could have breathed a sigh of relief when they heard that information that the plan was already in place to regain full control and dominion of the earth and to reconcile mankind back to God. What a marvelous, loving God who promised that redemption through their offspring. The statement made by Jesus, it is finished, is so powerful, so very powerful, that the more of what that means or what that includes, the more that is revealed to us the more we get a glimpse of how deep God's love is for us. Amen. So I just want to have everyone close their eyes right now. And if anyone has not asked Jesus to be Lord and Savior of their life, then you can do that right now. And just pray, Jesus, I know that you are the Son of God. And I thank you. I thank you for redeeming me. 
Please forgive my sin and come into my life. I make you Lord right now. I surrender myself to you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Barry, you able to close and if the worship team wants to come up? Oh, that was good. Huh? Yes. Amen. That's appropriate. Now that one was for Jill. How about we give the Lord a big hand clap, huh? He's worthy.